The Relevant You is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. This podcast is also brought to you by Instant Imprints. Promote better with Instant Imprints. Instant Imprints are Boise's visual communications experts and your place for everything you need to promote your business, club, school, or group. As a locally owned business, Instant Imprints specializes in making your organization more visible with custom-branded apparel, embroidery, promotional items, print services, and wide-format printing for signs, as well as banners and vehicle graphics. Want a better way to get noticed? Visit Instant Imprints at instantimprints.com backslash Boise or call 208-IMPRINT. That's 208-467-7468. Hi, welcome to the Relevant You podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Benelli, and I help people and companies get back in touch with what they stand for and what they want to be known for, transforming their careers, leadership, culture, and reputation into more energized versions of themselves so they can grow with renewed vibrancy, focus, and purpose, and make a positive difference in their work, their lives, and on society. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Relevant You podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Benelli, and I believe the human spirit has the power to change the world for the better. This drives my passion for helping organizations transform their internal culture into one that treats employees and customers with respect ultimately building a powerful reputation. You know, people today want to work for and buy from a company that is aligned with their values and know what it stands for. Many organizations today are stuck. They aren't sure how to prepare for today's business climate, or they have ideas, but just don't know how to put them into action. After decades of helping form and communicate the identities of top brands like Citrix, Dell, HP, Hootsuite, and Intuit, and decades of my own leadership journey, I've built a successful program that uncovers the heartbeat of the company and its leaders. I dig deep into your people and processes to excavate what is and isn't working, and then help you build a realistic and actionable plan for real transformation so you can make the shift needed to move forward and ensure that everyone knows who you are, what you stand for, and what you want to be known for. In this podcast, we cover a lot of that, Um, and we have a lot of discussions amongst ourselves and with um, other people that are transforming their culture and transforming their reputation in order to get very clear on who they are, what they stand for, and how they make a difference in the world. Very good. Well said. And I'm John Benelli, your co-host. And uh, Tracy is going to take a deep dive into this uh, subject today of uh, the importance of kindness and encouragement in transforming your company, your company's culture, and into an energetic, creative, and engaged workplace. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, a good place to start in today's conversation is, you know, it's, we tend to underestimate kindness and consideration in the workforce. We get very, very task oriented. We get heads down on the checklist, on the deliverables, on the objectives, depending on what your organization, what they call it and how they go about it. It could be an OKR, which is objective key result. It can be your know, return on investment. It can be what key metrics. I mean, there's so many different ways and variables and methodologies, but we, we know that those are important, right? Because that's how we track success. That's how we build plans. This is what strategies get built on. Um, and so we know what direction we're going, but when companies and organizations get so focused on the task and the outcome, we tend to forget that we're working with other human beings. And we tend to forget um, dignity kind of, and, and respect. It's we've got to go accomplish this. We have to go harder. We need to go faster. We need to go farther. We've got competitors. And, and we get caught up in this really competitive spirit. And we're burning people out. And we're burning each other out. And in the last 15 months of a world built on Zoom and Google Meets and all of the other uh, iterations of, of video meetings and online meetings, we go from video call to video call to video call to phone call to phone call to phone call to text to text to text to email to email to email to whatever types of communication we're using and we are missing those human interactions that used to happen in the hallway, that used to happen in a conference room, which used to happen when we were face-to-face. And a lot of those interactions were based around, hey, that was a really great presentation. Moy, you made a really, really good point in that. Or you know, just in the hallway saying, you know, you've done a really good job, I wanna thank you. These fast human connections, we're missing those. Because we are looking at our calendars and we're like, okay, I've got to get from this call to this call to this call. I have to be on camera here. I'm super self-conscious. I'm multitasking here. I've got all of this stuff going on, things that we didn't have to deal with before. And there's been a lot talked about it. Dogs, children, spouses, trash trucks, whatever it is from working from home. And we're so focused on just getting it done, getting it done, getting it done, that we are missing those social connections that happened on the fly and informally when we were in the office together. And a lot of those were where that simple kindness of encouragement, that simple kindness of recognition used to take place. And we're losing that. And as a result, people are getting tired. People are getting burned out. And as people get back together in the office, uh, they're not coming back generally enthused. And one way, one quick way to shift uh, workplace culture and to transform it is to model kindness and encouragement. Yeah, and as you were talking about that, I was thinking one of the things that um, has occurred uh, with this uh, younger population starting in the workforce and not having much experience yet in in how this takes place, uh, you know, for you and me, it's just second nature. We, you know, we went into the workforce. We were in the same location. 
with uh, our coworkers. Everything was done face to face. And uh, since uh, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and the uh, removal of that um, interaction, I think a lot of people um, started to lose that uh, ability to um, recognize those nuances. And for the younger uh, kids who haven't, who didn't have that to start with, they basically have to start on ground zero. Now, I, th- I think personally that they already are clued into being kinder and to giving people more encouragement, um, but I don't think it's translated to the workplace yet. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because in the work that I've been doing with a lot of my clients on as as the workforce is coming back together and they are reevaluating the the culture, what's working and what's not working. I would say that the younger generation is far more empathetic. I mean, actually dramatically more empathetic and supportive of one another. And they have a natural language of empathy and kindness. Where I've seen the trouble is that They've also grown up with social media and the anonymous, um, the what what we used to call flaming. I, I don't. I'm I'm going to show my age here. I don't know if that's still the term, but that anonymous insulting and snarkiness, and it creeps in. And um, it, it in some instances it doesn't just creep in. Depending upon what the company is using for internal communications. Um, it's there, you know, people are just, they're in the habit of just, of, of just typing in and then posting these terrible things about their call, co- their colleagues and their coworkers or about leadership or about that project. And there's no, there's really no forethought or afterthought to it. And it's causing a lot of unnecessary stress. It's causing a lot of unnecessary angst, and it is causing a great deal of misunderstanding. And from that, then it's building distrust. So you have this generation where there is a natural level of empathy and a great desire to support one another, but then there is this communication habit that erodes that. So for all the progress that they make in showing one another empathy, showing one another support and enthusiasm, they then erode it in the background by snarking at each other. And that does not, I mean, I don't think it works in everyday relationships and friendships, but it absolutely does not work in the workplace. And so they need to learn that, but how they learn it is by modeling it, right? So this is where leadership comes in. And one of the things that leadership tends to do speaking as somebody who's been in multiple leadership roles, is we tend to get focused, again, what I was saying earlier, about the objectives, about the outcomes, about what we need to do to grow the company, to grow the organization, grow, 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 faster, faster, faster. And we're not modeling um, the behaviors that we are then telling everybody else they have to show up as. right? So it's the do as I say, not as I do. And that is where leaders lose credibility. And so I think that there is a certain age group um, that, you know, needs to learn how to show up more authentically, show up more humanly, and that tends to be the older leaders, right? So people, and 
I don't have the research in front of me, but the people that are in their mid-40s on up. Because we've all grown up in a business environment where you didn't show up with empathy. You didn't show up with kindness. That, that was considered to be a weakness. It was highly unusual for a leader to take the time to encourage and to be empathetic and to be kind. And that didn't work so well either. And I can say, based upon my own 30-year leadership, I mean, my 30-year journey of discovering what, what does great leadership look like and how can I become that, it has where I've seen the greatest success in my career and with my clients and where I've had really great feedback from teams that I've built and organizations that I've built that it was that it was when empathy and kindness and encouragement were present on a regular basis because then people feel confident they, they there's a, a confidence that comes with knowing i'm on the right track i'm doing a great job and my contribution has been recognized that that creates a self-sustaining motivation to say i want to do it again i i've got this social connection I know I'm, I'm doing a good thing. I'm being recognized for it. And that level of encouragement, um, then they want to pass it on. Then they know that it's okay to be encouraging of other people, right? It becomes um, a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you are encouraged, then you want to go encourage others. And then they want to pass it on and pass it on. And then you get this grassroots uh, culture shift of people looking at each other and saying, that's right, we are, we are pulling together, we are working together, we are figuring out and learning best practices from one another. Um, so leadership needs to model it, but, um, and that's at all levels of experience and age groups, but the communication needs to also model it. And I think that's where the younger workforce needs to pay a little bit more attention. Like, how are you communicating? What What are you doing? What are you saying to each other? Um, and, and how are you saying it? Yeah, so when you think about the agenda mm-hmm. uh, that people go through when they're um, communicating, they use all the information that they get. And a lot of times, and we're still figuring this out too, mm-hmm. is we didn't really know how powerful social media was going to be in shaping and crafting people's um, communication between each other. Mm-hmm. So if, if somebody's nose is in the phone for you know two hours before they get to work and they have all of this angst or all this anger or all this confusion about what they've just read or what their friends have just said, how could they not come into the workplace and have already you know some issues that they want to work out? So in your experience, uh, knowing that, you know, people come with these kinds of um, preconceived ideas, what's one of the tools that you give uh, people when they need to, like, just chill out and refocus to what their uh, business and job would be? Yeah, I think it's teaching. It's it's knowing the difference between reacting and responding. So reacting is a is an emotional it's an emotional reaction. I love that. I like that. I hate that. I'm not in agreement. It's like this emotional surge. That's a reaction. And that's completely human. Um, 
But then you need to know how to respond based on how you're reacting. And that means you need to understand, well, if your first initial reaction is, oh, I hate that. No, I don't want to do that. You really do need to have enough self-awareness to be able to figure out why. Because if I just say, no, I don't want to do that. No, I think that's a stupid idea. No, we're not going to go there. You don't build credibility. You do not build bridges of trust. You, If you've got greater ambitions to be a leader or a manager, you're not going to get there. You're going to be viewed as disruptive and as prohibiting creativity and problem solving and change. doesn't matter if you are a C-suite or if you are entry level. If your first react, if everything you do is based on an initial emotional reaction, you're not going to make any progress and you're not going to empower your teams and you're not going to see the success that you, you desire or you've been tasked with. So it's learning how to read your own reaction, and then figure out what the proper response is. What's the appropriate response? So there is this saying, I cannot remember, it's from, it's from a book, this isn't original to me, but it's seeking to understand before being understood. And so if your initial reaction is a hard no, or a I love it, or it's then knowing what the follow-on is in order to have a discussion of if it's say, yes, I love it. This is my immediate reaction. We got to go, go. Yes, yes. Well, then how do you, how do you organize that? How do you empower the teams? How do you find everybody's area of contribution and give them the freedom uh, and the space they need and the guidelines they need to make that contribution so that we're all moving towards the same goal to get that outcome? If it's a no, no, I don't want to do that. No, it's it's learning not to say that's a stupid idea. You know, it's learning to say, I disagree with that. I don't know that's going to work. And then responding with more information as to why. Because what you're seeking to do is you're seeking to, to create understanding, not necessarily agreement. And when you have understanding, then you're able to get into uh, prioritization, you're able to get into negotiation, you're, you're able to find a common ground, you're able to get into compromise. And a lot of times in business, it is compromise. It, a lot of times, it is compromise in order to get to the greater good, in order to get to the better outcome. And, um, you know, the willingness to disagree and then commit, right? So people want to be heard. They want to know that they were heard. They want to know that there was an effort made to understand their point of view. And then there has to be the agreement of can we you know, disagree and commit? That is how I teach my clients how to, how to learn how to engage with one another um, and how to get past any communication gaps. But where kindness comes in is the willingness. I mean, it is an act of human kindness to say, I'm not quite sure I'm understanding why you're in disagreement. Can you explain it to me? I mean, that's respect, and respect is kindness. And then encouragement, you know, where encouragement comes into these communications is, you know, it's even saying, I'm not quite certain that I'm understanding, or I don't agree with you, but I want us to find a common ground so we move forward. That is a form of encouragement. It's not a sign of weakness. And I have had some... Some CEOs say, no, kindness doesn't belong in a workforce. This is war. Like, yeah, it's really not. 
It's really not. Not with your employees. Yeah, it's not. not. You should not be at war with your employees. And you shouldn't be at war with your clients. You can uh, be in a competitive situation with your competitors, but that's not even necessarily war. Uh, and the, the, the attitude of war, I get competitiveness. I really do. I enjoy it. But, the, but when an attitude of win at all costs come in, everybody loses. Yeah, so what do you think um, the best modeling would be for a leader? How, how, do you, how would you encourage them to move past that mindset of, you know, we're going to go to battle every day and we're going to win at all costs? What would be a good transition for that mind th- for that um, thought mindset the mindset of we're going to we have to go to war what would be the transition how would you lead a leader how would you uh, coach a leader into um, understanding that it's not like that that we can actually do it with a new set of guidelines yeah, so I, there's, a, there's a big difference in attitude between I want to win. I'm in it, I'm in it to win, uh, and, uh, and I'm going to go for it, and the mindset of seek and destroy. I have worked under and worked alongside leaders who had the mindset of seek and destroy. And that mindset, that really hardline competitive mindset, it does leak into how they treat their team members. And that's when you get very, very dysfunctional teams. The mindset of I'm in, I'm in it to win. If you got that mindset, then you look at your team members. And the first thing is making certain that they understand that we're going to win, we're here to win. And that they are empowered to win because everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be a part of something that is exciting, that's meaningful, that's going to move things forward. We're hardwired for it as human beings. Uh, And when a leader has the mindset of we're going to win, we're here to win, there's an energy, there's an excitement that comes up. The next step, though, is empowering your team to bring their very best. And that means organizing the project. I've seen leaders, and I've coached a number of leaders who had the mindset of, we're going to win, but then they did not take the time to organize their team so that each member could make a meaningful contribution alongside the area that they had really strong skills in, or they were being stretched in order to learn more skills or expand the skills they just said, no, we're all going to go do it. And then it became disorganized. And then that created frustration, which then leads to dysfunction. So it's a matter of shifting a leader's mindset, not from, um, you know, seek and destroy, but to we're, we're going to win and we're going to go conquer that hill. And we're all going to, we are going to pull together and we're going to get organized to go do that. So everybody's very clear it's what their role is, what their responsibility is, and what they need to deliver for us to win. Because winning is a combination of individual contribution and group effort. 
it's it's both. It's not an either or. It's an and. And most leaders aren't taught that. Most leaders learn by getting thrown into the deep end of the pool and you know scrambling in the churn with everybody else, and then whoever you know makes it to the side gets to be the winner. But the companies that are actually out there making a difference, the companies that are actually out there changing the industry, changing their neighborhoods, changing their communities, changing uh, lives and, and productivity, whatever it is that they're focused on, they have taken the time to help their leaders understand this is how you win because there is a formula to winning. It's not a churn. There is a formula. So part of that, when you are when you have a mindset of we're going to win, we are going to win, and it's and we're going to get organized because we're going to do it in a manner that is scalable, that is measurable, and that is repeatable. Well, in order to do that, you got to have a process. You need to be organized, and people need to know what their roles and responsibilities are. So. Ironically, one of the best books on how to win, and it's a thousand years old, two thousand years old. It's called *The Art of War*. It's written um, by a, a Japanese samurai. Phenomenal book on how to win, and it's all about you know the art of war. And but it's also the art of war is all about organization. It's all about everybody knows what their role is everybody knows what the responsibility is everybody knows what the goal is and we are bringing our individual best for a collective group effort in order to go win it's that kind of a shift in mindset yeah and and so one of the things that they encourage there is that um, kindness is also a virtue Mm -hmm. and that um, if you're at war with everybody then nobody wins but if you encourage and you're kind, then everybody wins. Well, yeah, and you know, kindness isn't being soft. And so there's a lot of people that might be rolling their eyes going, oh my God, really kindness? Kindness is softness. You know, we are not going to get into this whole thing of everybody wins and everybody's going to get an at it. No, that's not what this is at all. You know, if, if kindness is bringing a visceral reaction out of you, a visceral reaction, a better way to look at it is think of it as respect. It's it kindness is respect. Respect is kindness. Um, it's not soft. It's not uh, being overly agreeable. It's it's sometimes one of the kindest things you can do to somebody is just tell them the truth. You know you're not performing at your best, or you have you know you have not been uh, you've not been bringing your best work, or you know you've been mailing it. That is a that can be kindness. Um, and it's also quite respectful. It's looking at the other person and saying, you know what, I think you're worthy. I think you're worthy of my best. And I think you're worthy of bringing your best. And so I'm going to tell you right now that you're not bringing your best. And I'd like to understand why. right? And that opens up a dialogue for understanding. And then through that, as a leader you can determine, well, does this person need some coaching? Do they need mentoring? Do they need more clarity on what their role and responsibility is? Do they need some training? 
they can get that encouragement. So encouragement can come through that as well. Encouragement can come through, I know that you're better than what you're bringing. I know it. I know it for a fact. And I believe in you. But I need you to step it up. So here's what I see is missing. You need to get better at XYZ. So we're going to give you training on that. That is a form of encouragement. So when leaders get caught up in reacting to the word, their own filter, oh, kindness, man, that's soft. We're not going to win if everybody's kind. That's bullshit. Yeah, okay, take a step back, figure out why you're reacting that way, and then look at it through a different angle, which is its respect. And it's the same thing with encouragement. You want to encourage people to bring their best. You want to recognize how they've already brought their best, where they've made a contribution. Sometimes that encouragement is you need to grow in a certain area, so we're going to make this investment in you. Why? Because we believe in you and we are encouraging you to bring your best. So it's not getting caught up in what you think the definition is and how it works in business. It's taking a step back and saying there's a different way to apply this and it comes down to respect. Yeah, and I think uh, when you work with clients, there's many times when you um, make them, you don't make them, but you uh, help them face those internal fears that stop them, and you never do that uh, being mean to them. You always do it with kindness because your uh, process that you take them through allows them to discover what they're missing, and I think that, in, in my opinion, is how uh, you get the most out of your clients because, you, you know, you don't chastise them. You don't point out their um, insecurities. You don't point out the things they're doing wrong. You just level set them, let them understand that, yes, they are of value and that they will be able to succeed, but you need to change your mindset and move forward with these um, programs that I want to put you through. Yeah, it, it's, um, hmm. I was going to say something that I just lost my train of thought. Well, you, I was, I was thinking that, you know, for instance, one of your clients that is very high achieving CEO has had to put together a, uh, a new board and she was totally intimidated because all of these people that she wanted on her board were very high achieving in their own area, and she didn't feel uh, competent to ask them or, uh, yeah, ask them how they could help or how, what kind of help she needed. Yeah, yeah. So in that case, she is, she's amazing, and she's more amazing than she realizes. Um, And that's, that's normal. I think everybody I think everybody dims their own light, to be quite honest with you. And this was more of a case of encouragement. Um, And her learning how to show up at the board and bring out the best of this very high-performing board uh, by being respectful of them and demanding respect in return. Now, in this case, each of these boards, um, what they're focused on is bringing betterment to a community that's underserved. 
So everybody on this board, each each member of this, uh, I think it's 12-person board, on their own are amazing high achievers and have phenomenal track records of affecting change. But the stakes are pretty high for what this board coming together is going to do. And the debates get pretty heated because they're dealing with real money. Um, they're, they're dealing with big money, but money has a limit. Um, and you know, there, there's not enough money in the world sometimes to, to solve some of the problems that they're focused on. So it gets heated. And what she needed to learn was how to be very respectful during these heated moments, how to be respectful and thoughtful and also demanding it in return. And that came by developing a communication style that was responsive, not reactive. Uh, And in turn, the board who do respect her, their communication style shifted to being one of responsiveness, not reactiveness. And there's a lot more that's getting done. There's a lot more that's being achieved because there is, at the heart of it, there's kindness. We know that we are all trying to bring something amazing to life here. We all bring different knowledge. We all bring different experience. We all bring different skill sets. So we have different points of view that are valuable, that deserve to be heard, that need to be heard. And then we need to understand that we're not all going to be in agreement and that we can be in disagreement, but we're going to commit to a plan of action. And when that commitment happens, we're in. We are now going to pull together as a group, right? So it's finding that balance of individual contribution with group um, uh, outcome. And yeah, that's that's basically a win-win yeah. attitude, and not we're gonna, you know, beat everybody. Yeah. yeah, and I've seen, I've worked with other boards. You know, you're dealing with ego when you get to a board level. You're dealing with very high achieving people. They didn't get there. They did not get there by accident, and that means they have a strong opinion, and you can't be afraid of somebody with a strong opinion. However, if you are the person with the strong opinion you're going to get a lot more done if you are respectful than if you're being disrespectful. So again, if the word kindness is getting stuck in your throat, you got to think of it as respect. Um, and, and I do not think that that is too high of an ask. I think that where we are in, as a, in the world today is we've lost a lot of respect We've lost a lot of respect for our um, industry leaders. We've lot of, lost a lot of respect for our political leaders. We have lost a lot of respect for how we engage as individuals. Um, I think kindness, you know, consideration. Again, if kindness is getting stuck in your crop, consideration. That seeking to understand before being understood. That learning to listen. And that encouragement. Because you know, encouragement means that you look at another person and you know that they're valuable. I see your value. I see you. I want to learn about you. I want to listen to you. I want to understand where you're coming from, your point of view. And, um, and then the willingness to reciprocate. You know, that's encouragement. That's kindness. 
Um, and then, you know, in a business world, as a leader, it's, it's, it's the willingness to be honest. It's the willingness to be honest to help the other person be better. Now, that's a skill. I mean, that is a skill. We think by telling the other person, you know, you really blew it on that. You, know, you showed up at the meeting, you, you know, it, it, your, your PowerPoint didn't mean anything, you missed the point, you're studying over your words. Okay, that is not constructive criticism. That is criticism intent to pull somebody down. So you know, constructive criticism, which can be a form of encouragement, is along the lines of, you know, I, I, you know, I appreciate the effort you made, I don't know that you brought your best. And uh, do you think you brought your best, right? That's the seeking to understand before being understood. Do you think that you, you brought your best to that presentation? Was there something else that could have been done? Okay, here's my feedback on areas that I think would help moving forward. You know, I, you know here's the, the new process for developing the content. Here's the new way for vetting the content. Um, I want you to practice. You know, I want you to be successful. Public speaking doesn't come naturally to everybody. I want you to practice. I want you to run through your slides before you're standing up in front of 40 people and giving this presentation again. I want you to make certain that you have considered what questions might come up. And it's okay if you don't know, but don't bluff. right? It's That is what constructive criticism is. And in doing that, you are coaching and mentoring and training your team members all at the same time without cutting them down. Um, and I think that that's important. And that is a form of kindness and a form of encouragement. So people get too caught up in their reaction to a word like kindness, and then they discount it altogether. And they get too caught up in their reaction to a word like encouragement, and then they discount it altogether. And we end up stuck where we are as a culture, which is not trusting each other, which is not um, uh, engaging with one another. We, we cut off creativity. We don't recognize contribution. We are draining people's spirit and their enthusiasm for the work that they're doing. And then we go and complain about it and we take it home with us. So then we're, we're spreading the dysfunction even further into our other relationships, which then they go and spread it further because, you know, my mom just came home from work and she was in a really bad mood and she yelled at me because I hadn't cleaned the kitchen all the way or, you know, she yelled because the dog wasn't taken out. Now I'm in a bad mood. So now I'm going to get with my friends and I'm going to complain about my mom and now they're going to, right? It's called a social contagion. And where companies and work workplaces can actually make a really positive impact on broader society is through kindness and encouragement by treating one another respect because then we go and we bring it home how we were treated at work we do tend to bring home and we see that more and more and more uh, and so kindness and encouragement it creates a social connection it builds trust it brings meaning and encouragement, uh, and then it feeds on itself in a very positive manner and spreads out further into our neighborhoods and our communities by the way that we show up, 
because of the way that we are learning about our value, where we're spending our most, most of our time, which is in the office, which is in our workplace. So leaders need to model it, which means leaders need to take the time to learn about it and to apply it to themselves at all levels. Uh, this is a trickle down and it is a push up. I have seen some really, really influential people uh, in the area of culture, kindness, and encouragement who were at entry level. They were fundamentally kind and they were very thoughtful and they, um, they modeled it for their leader. And, uh, and that's amazing, that's outstanding. And I have seen leaders at all levels model it for everybody else. So it's not just leaders, it's not just the responsibility of leaders, anybody can model it. However, most everybody looks to leadership to model it. So it's really, really important that leadership, if they want a culture shift, if they want a healthier, more vibrant culture, if they want a culture that wants to win, then they need to learn how to model thoughtfulness, respect, kindness, and encouragement. And it doesn't make a soft organization. In fact, it makes a much more competitive and energized organization. Yeah, so you're basically telling them to be kind to themselves. Yeah. Kind, you know what? <laughs> be kind, kind first to yourself. Kindness starts first with yourself. Oh, my God, that's a whole other podcast. The self-talk that leaders do to themselves is trash. It's horrible. Like no wonder it's so difficult for you to see the value of all the other people around you because you don't see your own. I think that'll be our next podcast because that's massive. It's massive. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a great place to end. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for sticking around for this conversation. I want to, uh, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. You are more magnificent than you know, and you are bringing more goodness to the work that you do than you realize. And uh, I hope that uh, you'll pat yourself on the back for that and that you'll uh, take a moment to pause and recognize that around um, about yourself. So again, thank you for going on this journey. And uh, until next time, we will talk soon. Thank you, everybody, and stay relevant. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Well, you've made it to the outro, and I'm really, really glad that you stayed with it and that you stuck around for the conversation, and I'm really grateful as well, and I hope that you'll come back next week. Um, but in the meantime, if you've got any questions, please go to therelevantyou.com, and be sure to like this podcast on all of the major platforms. I'd really appreciate it, and I look forward to talking with you again really soon. Bye. Bye.